Welcome to the Industries in Motion podcast from RBC Capital Markets, where we'll be exploring what's new and what's next in today's fast-moving markets and industries to help you stay ahead of the curve. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclosures. I'm Mike Hall, Head of European Research at RBC Capital Markets in London, and today I'm going to be speaking with Richard Chamberlain about the outlook for the consumer and the European general retail sector as we look out into 2022 and beyond. Richard has been following the consumer discretionary space in Europe for over 20 years, here at RBC, and prior to that at Bank of America, JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs. He heads up our European retail team and also oversees the luxury and internet sectors. So Richard, thanks for joining us today. Sure, you're, you're welcome, Mike. Good to catch up. Let's kick off. Now, sure. I know you've been spending uh, time with several retailers recently, and right. so should have some uh, interesting perspectives on the outlook for the next year. Mm-hmm. The first question I have is, we're hearing a lot about the cost of living squeeze for consumers next year. How do you see that playing out? Sure. So if we take the UK as an example, um, we recently published a household cash flow analysis for the UK market. We start with what we call primary income. So that's um, employment times average earnings. That's actually looking pretty decent for next year. We think um, cash flow uh, earnings after tax could be up at least 4% next year. The problem is, is that pretty much every cost line is rising above the rate of wage growth, in particular energy and transport costs, uh, energy costs obviously shooting up. So, and the other factor is mortgage rates, which are currently low. We think there's a pretty high risk they'll be going up next year as well. So overall, I think we'll see household cash flow pre-savings on average, probably falling slightly year on year next year. And that's going to mean the average household will be feeling a little bit poorer. You know, having said that, the UK savings rate remains pretty high. Um, It's still around 12%, I think, last reported. And so we think there will be potential for that to fall and offset various cost inflation pressures. But our base case is that that savings rate falls to about 10% by the end of this year uh, and then down to about 7% by the end of next year. So that should mean that for middle to higher income consumers that tend to have savings, you know, household cash flow, after savings should remain positive next year. And the other factor that's um, a major influence on our sector, the UK general retail sector, is the housing market. And there we expect a moderation in activity, um, particularly after the big Russian activity caused by the stamp duty holiday last year. But still transactions are at a pretty strong level compared to history. Also, low supply, we think, should support uh, pricing in the housing market, and that in turn should support later cycle home improvement, um, along with a bunch of other factors like hybrid working, uh, wear and tear, energy efficiency, and consumer desire to uh, to save money. Interesting. If that's um, for the UK consumer, how relevant is that as a, as a template for consumers in other European countries? Yeah, sure. So um, so on that point, I guess it's probably worth flagging that we've actually recently launched a, a retail chart book on our portal, and that's in conjunction with our data science team, um, RBC Elements. And that specifically looks at the consumer outlook and shows a lot of charts and relevant to, to retail and the consumer in, in major European markets. And if we're speaking about the mainland European markets, you know, similar factors are at play um, compared to the UK in terms of the consumer outlook. But I would say that the big markets there, so um, you know, France and Germany, they tend to be a bit more labour market driven and less housing market driven. 
if you take somewhere like Spain, that's much more similar to the UK in nature. So when we look at retail sales, as a, you know, for a lead indicator, you'd be using probably half household cash flow and half housing housing transactions. And obviously, inflation expectations, you know, big theme at the moment as well. I mean, that's very important in markets like Germany, obviously for historic reasons. And there we are seeing um, already some spend rotation back to essentials. We also think we will see some trading down uh, into the new year, although that's not not as common as you might think in uh, in the non-food retail sector. Okay, okay. And if I can turn to the the bigger picture, um, I'm obviously conscious that Omicron variant is is clearly concerned near term. Right. But if we look forward, I think as exiting the pandemic and coming out of it, what kind of structural trends do you think? would have changed and impacted the sector? Yeah, so so um, it's a really good question. I, I think um, various actually structural trends are probably likely to reassert themselves now. I mean, I, I can think of sort of four main ones. The first of all is uh, the first one would be uh, polarisation in performance. You know, we think the sort of stronger specialists, uh, specialist retailers will benefit from their scale, uh, supplier relationships and pricing power. Um, the second one, uh, would be omnichannel. Omnichannel retailers, we think, will gain share now as space reductions are easing off and consumers are looking for more convenience to suit their more sort of flexible lifestyles. And we're already seeing that actually in, in the industry data in markets like Germany, um, where already it looks like the bigger chains are starting to, to gain share. The third structural trend I would point to is probably discount with customers you know, set to become more price conscious, albeit I think discounters are likely to face more than average margin pressure next year. And then I guess finally, the fourth would be healthy lifestyles. And that's contributing to, um, for instance, a still pretty buoyant sports fashion uh, sector. Okay. And I guess having asked you uh, about trends exiting the pandemic, mm. do, do you have any initial thoughts on what impact Omicron might bring to the sector in the near term? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think clearly um, it's going to be a short-term negative for sentiment on the sector. You know, having said that, governments have been pretty quick to respond, actually, you know, much quicker than they were to respond to the Delta outbreak back in the summer. And on this point, you know, I'd point to actually some very interesting analysis by Mike Tran and our digital intelligence strategy team. So his team has looked at uh, two indices, um, one's called the GOAT, uh, Go Out and Travel Index, um, and the other one is the GOAL, Go Out and Live Index. And um, and those initially showed a strong correlation with rising COVID cases, but in recent months that correlation has broken down, um, and that's in the face of rising cases. So it seems to me that you know, it's clear. I think people are very keen to get back to normal and to keep spending. And as such, you know, there's probably potential for travel and uh, more sort of experiential spend actually to return next year with some spend rotation away from some of the COVID sort of winning categories such as home-related retail. Interesting. So let's hope we're uh, still on the trajectory to normalcy. And if right. that's the case, can I talk about the structure and competitive landscape in the retail sector going ahead? Yeah, sure. Um, so actually, pretty much since the start of the pandemic, we, we've had this thesis that the strong will get stronger um, as a result of it. In fact, actually, that's the title of our annual industry primer we've just published, um, which hopefully will be a, will be a very useful uh, reference document for people over the coming year. 
So helping that thesis is we've seen some significant capacity coming out of the market. So, for instance, here in the UK, we've seen about, um, we think, 10% of the UK clothing market coming out over the last two years. And that would include the likes of uh, Debenhams and Arcadia. And we're also seeing more evidence of these strong specialist um, omnichannel retailers gaining like-for-like share. You know, they're the ones with the with the supplier relationships, the broad range, and the and the health healthy inventory positions. Um, so you could take there as an example, Dunelm. You know, that was losing out um, during the periods of lockdown to essential retailers um, that were allowed to open. So the likes of B and M and the range. Um, but when Dunelm's been able to open stores, it's been gaining share due to its strong omnichannel offer. And we're seeing you know, similar dynamics going on in other um, subsectors. JD Sports would be another good example in athleisure. Uh, next in a more uh, mainstream apparel uh, and also Hugo Boss in the premium branded space. We talked about the cost of living squeeze uh, for the consumer earlier. I'd be really interested in your thoughts for the cost for the retailers themselves. Yeah, sure. So um, if you think about apparel, which is the largest part of non-food retail, we are seeing higher raw material costs and much higher freight costs. Although bear in mind, freight tends to only be about 3% of cost of goods sold. Also, you know, given hedging times, the lagged effect of a weaker dollar will actually still be a significant tailwind for UK apparel retailers next year. And that will help to offset um, a lot of that cost pressure. Uh, on the more European side, mainland European side of the sector, the dollar will be becoming a headwind um, to gross margins from about Q2 onwards. Although, again, local costs in major supplier markets have fallen because of US dollar strength against some of those currencies. And as ever, we think that full price sales will, will be actually the main driver of gross margins. And we're, and we're seeing generally lower than average discounting. Um, and that's partly due to product shortages. Uh, and you've seen that, um, for instance, over the recent Black Friday period. Um, in terms of pricing power, we looked at that actually in a report um, this summer, which we wrote in, uh, um, along with our economists. And we think global fashion chains like Inditex and H&M are likely to have the most pricing power given their leverage over suppliers. Um, UK hardline retail is probably the least pricing power. Um, they've got a relatively high amount of branded product. And so, and, and I guess, you know, a lower ability to pass those prices increases on to uh, onto customers. And if I was moving down the PL, what, what about operating costs? What's the outlook there? Yeah, sure. So, so in terms of operating costs in retail, I mean, the two biggest lines would be staffing and, and property costs, uh, rent. Um, I mean, staffing, we're seeing labour inflation. I mean, that's particularly acute here in the UK. We've got the minimum wage going up by 6.7% in April. We've got a shortage of people like nighttime warehouse operatives, um, forklift truck operators, and also delivery drivers. I think that'll be most of an issue for discount retailers. I mean, those guys have got fairly low margins and a pretty high number of people on the minimum wage, around half uh, typically. You know, having said that, we have those seen quite a high rate of natural attrition of labour in the sector uh, and also tech-driven efficiencies, and both of those are reducing labour costs. Um, again, I, I would say the big global fashion chains um, should be best placed to offset that uh, cost pressure. And I guess a final question, it, it would be remiss not to talk about ESG. Um, what do you think the key developments there which are, which you'd be highlighting? 
Yeah, sure. So, so um, again, on apparel, um, which is the biggest part of the sector, I'd say the biggest themes in ESG probably um, fair living wages, be the first one, um, climate change, and then um, what we call fashion circularity. Uh, in terms of circularity, we're seeing um, rental and resale. You know, both of those are gaining in importance. In fact, that was actually one of the themes we highlighted in a recent report under our uh, RBC Imagine brand. And in that report, our global research team uh, looked at uh, five key global and cross-sector themes. Um, and that's, they should very much you know, prepare readers for the opportunities and challenges uh, going forward. Um, we think H&M and um, the online retailers, some of those ASOS and Zalando are probably leading the way in terms of um, fashion circularity. Great. Thank you very much for your time today, Richard. It's been great to catch up and uh, hear on the outlook for the retail and consumer next year. Yeah, my, my pleasure, Mike. Thank you very much for having me on. What else lies ahead in today's ever-evolving markets and industries? We'll be keeping right track right here on Industries in Motion. Make sure you subscribe to Industries in Motion wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening to today's episode. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.